Welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano from Feliciano Financial Group. In this podcast, brothers and certified financial planner professionals, Jose and Jeff, explain that money is just a tool to achieve the things you want in life, a tool to make the decision to live life on purpose. They draw from years of experience to demonstrate that when your money aligns with your goals, you can live a purposeful life. Because when your vision is clear, your decision is easy. Hello and welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. Gentlemen, how are you today? How are you today? Hey, we're good. Thank you. Yeah, how are fantastic. You? Is, is Texas getting back to normal down there, guys? Slowly but surely. No <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, the governor said we're back at 100%, and it's the discretion of everybody. So one thing I'm looking forward to is a a opening day baseball, and hopefully it's sold yes. out. So that's can't wait for that. Yeah, that will be nice. I we're just I think we're all waiting to get back to normal, and uh, as we take these baby steps uh, forward, I, I think it's fantastic. I think everybody has a, a smile on their face because of that, and the weather's getting a little bit warmer, so that's kind of nice. So after all that great information today, we're talking about next steps, right? So let, let's let's think back to the the past podcast. We have a plan. We understand the core principles for creating a successful investment experience. Uh, you guys talked about tax buckets for tax efficiency, and I know today we're going to be talking about saving versus investing, um, and and that sounds fairly basic to me. But what would you say the difference is between saving and investing, and then maybe some pros and cons of each? Savings and investing often are used interchangeably, but there but there is a big difference. Uh, I remember reading a book a while back uh, by a guy named Mister Ecker. I think it was uh, Secrets of the millionaire mind, but he made a quote that, you know, poor people see a dollar as a dollar uh, to trade for something they want right now, where rich people see every dollar as a seed that can be planted to earn a hundred more dollars or a thousand more dollars, but replanted to earn more and more over time. Uh, so I, I think there's, there's the, the difference between the two. Uh, saving is saving for today, whereas investing is planting that seed for something in the future. All right. And, and are there pros and cons of each? I would add there when, when we're talking about the future versus today, I mean, the questions that are the issues that come up is, you know, are we planning on moving to a larger home in the future uh, we plan on paying for a cost of a college education for one or more of their children or grandchildren. What investment alternatives are they comfortable with? Which ones do they plan to avoid? Uh, do they plan to, you know, uh, pass on their inheritance on to the next generation or do they want to consume their assets during their lifetime? Everybody has a different idea about what life looks like. And uh, to add to what Jeff said about savings versus investing and talking about today and tomorrow and when we talk about planning, it's it's what do they see in the future, what they really want to accomplish, and then we lay it out accordingly. You know, so saving, we, we usually set aside money for emergencies. We're saving for emergencies, maybe mm-hmm. saving for a big purchase in the next year or two. So savings, usually we want to have little or no risk because we know we're going to need it in the in the future, in the short future. Mm-hmm. So we use things like money markets, savings accounts, checking accounts, CDs, treasuries, but it's really for money needed safe and secure uh, because we're, we're going to need it pretty soon. Whereas investing is a little different. Investing, we're more trying to plant that seed for a future harvest. So we want the money to grow. 
Uh, we're, we're buying things like stocks and bonds and mutual funds or real estate uh, because we're trying to make the money that we are setting aside work for us mm-hmm. over a period of time so that we're able to achieve whatever long-term goals that we may have. Got it. So I, I hear you saying that saving, obviously, saving signifies short-term, right? So I'm saving for a new car. I'm saving for, you know, the... Um, the the next iPhone, whatever, whatever it is, right? <laughs> I've got to save up a little bit of money because I'm, I know I'm going to be spending that fairly quickly and I'm not going to make money on that because I'm just kind of keeping it on hand. We're investing, you're hoping it, it goes up, but a con could be that you could lose some money investing and we all know that that's a, that's a risk, but I know that you guys deal with like risk tolerance of people as well, correct? And that's kind of what you talk about in those buckets. Yeah, so depending on what we're saving for, you know, depending on what our time frame is, uh, there's a different set of investments that are appropriate. Mm. You know, so the longer the time frame, the more aggressive or more growth we can design a portfolio or pick and choose certain investment vehicles because we have more time for that money to grow and kind of work through the ups and downs. Um, you know, so deciding and, and of what that looks like, uh, it just really just depends on what we're saving for, what we're trying to accomplish. And it's, it's kind of a, the analogy that uh, is, is good to think through is, you know, to what degree are we willing to exchange some short-term volatility in exchange for better or more long-term growth? You know, so depending on what we're saving for, it kind of changes the dynamics of what's appropriate based on time and mm-hmm. what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, volatility is probably the most important thing to a plan. Uh, you know, sometimes these mutual fund companies, uh, they'll say they average, you know, X percent. But let me just give you a make, – make the absurd absurd. Give you an example. Let's say someone loses 50 percent of their portfolio. Well, you know, 100,000 goes down to 50,000. Mm-hmm. And then the next year they make 50 percent in their portfolio – so the mutual fund companies say, well, that's an average of zero because you made you lost fifty percent, but you, and you gained fifty percent. But if you actually run the numbers on it, it's a hundred thousand down to fifty thousand, and if you make fifty percent, you're only at seventy five thousand. That's right. You're still down seventy five uh, twenty five thousand dollars. So volatility is a big deal. It's not, you know, we're all heroes when the market's up, hmm. but it's what happens in the volatility that can really drag that portfolio down, especially when you're withdrawing money. So. Volatility is a big, uh, uh, big, and and like Jeff said about you know what risk can you handle because uh, uh, you know the things that we really have to manage is people's emotions and that's mm-hmm. fear and greed. Yeah, absolutely, and we all succumb to that in, in, on different levels depending on what we're facing. Uh, you know, fear plays a factor in there. There's there's a lot to think about, but I guess I have to ask you, how do you decide? how much to invest and in what. You guys have talked about equities and fixed income and other things. How, how do you decide how much to invest in the different things? So there's a, there's a multiple of, of, of factors in that. I think uh, first, uh, we all have different time horizons, different goals. Uh, uh, so time plays a big part. Uh, there's no such thing of, of getting rich overnight uh, or really accumulating wealth overnight. It's something that you do consistently, with a lot of discipline, and the real money is made over time. So depending on what we're saving for, like we brought up or discussed in a couple of podcasts uh, in the past, uh, we have different buckets of money intended for different things. Uh, some's for retirement, some's for college, some's for uh, maybe an investment or 
vacation property in the next so many years. So depending on what we're saving for and depending on what the time frame is, there are different strategies that are appropriate uh, based on the time given and how much risk or volatility we're willing to take. So the longer the time frame, uh, the more equities we can hold in a portfolio because we've got time to work through cycles and be more successful. Mm-hmm. The shorter the time frame, the more we, we need to use bonds and, and stable value funds and uh, more fixed income or things that don't fluctuate as much because we don't have time uh, to work through uh, the cycles. All right. I've got to ask because this, this has been in the news quite a bit lately. Um, GameStop, right? Uh, Bitcoin, all these, all these different things that are getting headlines, mm-hmm. uh, there seems to be a lot of risk. And, and, of course, a lot of the times you just see all these positive things. Oh, look at this. It's just skyrocketing as we're doing all, you know, everybody's doing really well. I watched that very closely. I did not invest because I, I'm smarter than that. Sorry. I, I, I talk to people like you <laughs> that help me out with, with good decisions. But you see people going up and then you see all of a sudden you see people going down and, and it's all over the place at this point. But it's it's really interesting to me because people buy into that thought of, like you said, getting rich quick and there is no scheme out there. So let's talk about risk. And and I, I think the audience would appreciate a better understanding of risk in the different areas, right? So GameStop as, as, a, as an example is one single stock, right? Investing in a single stock, I think, is pretty much always risky, right? And and what about different, you know, what about diversifying into different sectors right. or different things? Can you kind of explain the different levels of risk in the different areas? Yeah, I think risk has to you have to put it in a proper perspective uh, because risk is defined. What do most people think? I don't I just I don't want to lose all my money. Correct. If yep. I invest in the stock market, do I have a chance of losing it all? Uh, so if you put it in a proper context, there there are different levels. So so one obviously. If you invest in one single stock, GameStop, um, uh, uh, any Enron, mm-hmm. uh, you know the 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 chance of a company going bankrupt is it can happen. So yeah. when all your eggs are in one basket, uh, your fate is in one stock. So that stock can go up, it can go down, but it's a lot of risk because theoretically it could go to zero, which we've seen numerous times. Um, same thing as you, so that increases risk when you go individual stock. Uh, the second is sometimes when you make a bet in a specific sector, uh, we've seen it with real estate and housing. Uh, we saw it with the technology busting back in 2000, 2001, 2002. Uh, you've seen it in the financial crisis in 08 and 09. But anytime you make a bet or you're investing in a very specific sector, uh, then you're increasing risk as well. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, uh, p- the preferred investments of choice may be index funds or mutual funds uh, because you have professional money managers that take big pools of money, and instead of taking all that money investing in just one stock or just one sector, they spread it out over 200, 300, 400 different stocks in numerous sectors uh, so the likelihood of every one of those stocks going bankrupt, you know, it's, it's, it's never happened. Mm-hmm. So risk becomes more of a, all right, well, how much volatility or how much can it swing if we go through some bad times? So you're really able to alleviate a lot of that risk uh, when you're more diversified and you hold more assets or more investments. 
You know, it's funny. The other day I was playing golf and um, I was noticing the windows of the houses around the golf course. And if you'll notice, you know, these four by four windows, they're not all just solid windows. Uh, if they were, and of course, one golf ball going through, you got to replace the whole window. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of the windows on the golf course, they're kind of broken up in, in parts. And if you look at a four by four window, sometimes you have it in 16 different parts. That way, when a golf ball goes through, you only have to replace that one part of the window. Mm-hmm. That's kind of describes risk and why, you know, they, they have it set up that way. That way you don't have one company that drags the whole thing down. You have all these different sectors that complement each other. And uh, I think that's just the way to handle risk. And, you know, not owning, trying to find a needle in a haystack, which is where some of the problems are. It's owning the whole haystack. And I think that uh, that's, that's just really important to diversify that risk. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got to. I've got to make a comment here. You guys are going to have to visualize something for me, audience and and Jeff and Jose. I've got a cube in my hand. Uh, it sits on my desk, and it has uh, on the top. It says vision and values, and then there's four sides of it, and it has keywords. Uh, one of them being communication. One of them is excellence. One of them is respect, and one of them is integrity. And under integrity, it says, we work with customers and prospects openly, honestly, and sincerely. And I keep this on my desk for one reason. This came from Enron. (laughs) (laughs) And how how strange it is to look at this and say, okay, this at one time was on some executive's desk. I've never worked for Enron. I just received this one time and I thought this was, this is hilarious because this is kind of how I think a lot of people out there, a lot of our listeners kind of approach finance. How do we know what company is going to be the good company? How do we know what company is going to be the one that's going to do what Enron did and, and just absolutely tank? So there's some fear out there, right? And we don't want to succumb to that fear because we still need to be able to invest and use gentlemen like you and, and our own intelligence to make good decisions. So on that, you know, kind of on that tirade that I just did, I know that there's a lot of mutual funds. You you know, there's um, indexes out there. There's large cap. I've heard small cap. I still don't understand exactly what those are. Uh, international, there's value, there's growth. There's so many different options out there. H- how do I make a decision? I mean, obviously, besides what I would always suggest is, you know, talk to a professional. But what do I need out of that mixed bag? And, and how do I choose? When you're looking to uh, pursue a, a, a better investment experience, I think there's a certain level of expectations mm-hmm. that uh, it's good to understand. So for every given level of risk, going back to depending on what we're saving for, there's an expected return. So if you were to look back through the history of the stock and the bond market and we were to invest a dollar or $10 or $100,000, you know, w- w- where do we decide? So here's what the numbers look like. So any portfolio that is tilted towards the stock market has historically over time hmm. outperformed everything else. Okay. So to what degree uh, do we take a portfolio and put 50% or 60% or 70% uh, into the stock or equities market depends on what we're saving for, how much time we have in order to be successful. So there's there's one. Number two is if you look at all the historical data, any portfolio that has a tilt towards smaller companies, it has been proven that over time, smaller companies outperform large companies over time. 
Uh, same with value. So there's value companies, there's growth companies. We talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, that uh, value will tend to outperform growth over time. Um, so, you know, those different uh, asset classes, the, the reason why they're important is because over 92% of returns are attributed to the particular asset class, meaning large cap growth, large cap value, mid-cap companies, small-cap companies, international companies, real estate, mm. but just the, the major asset classes. So if you look at what happened in 2020, where was all the growth? You know, large-cap growth was up 16, 20-plus uh, percent range last year. If you look at uh, some of the small-caps, they were flat. Uh, large-cap value was somewhat flat to single digits. So it's not that these asset classes did bad, but that's the way the markets work. Uh, different asset classes perform better or worse in different environments. And what we want is we just want enough of uh, different asset classes moving in enough different directions mm -hmm. so that we can have a smoother ride. And so what I'm hearing is that no, that's great. I, 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 that's much clearer. What I'm hearing from you is that any one asset class can go up really well or could go down quite a bit. So that's why you're talking about diversifying and looking at all sorts of different classes so that you can balance it out so it's not going to skyrocket, right? We're not, I mean, we're not going to say, hey, we're making 25% every year, um, but we're also not going to be losing that 25 to 50% every year, right? Because we're diversifying. Also take into consideration that the U.S. market has 50 to 55% of the stock market in the world. And you've got the emerging markets and you've got the developed markets around the world. Mm. And if you take, you know, 2000 to 2010, you know, the S&P 500 basically was flat, but you had the growth on the international markets. And it kind of did an inverse uh, relation uh, between 19, I mean, between 2010, 2020, you know, the U.S. market took off and you had the international markets that were pretty flat. So it's not just the U.S. markets you got to consider. It's, it's the emerging markets and the developed markets. So, you know, having asset classes and owning it throughout the world is will create less volatility in a portfolio. And volatility is what really makes the big difference. Mm -hmm. And I think the key is that, uh, you know, winners rotate. I mean, think about uh, over the years and how good technology did last year. Uh, you know, financials, energy, um, travel and leisure, those particular sectors didn't do so well. You know, but mm -hmm. now to start this year, small caps are doing great. Energy's growing. Uh, the economy's opened up. So things tend to become in and out of favor. Uh, same thing with sectors, same thing with asset classes. So the fact that winners rotate, if there was a crystal ball that would allow us or the Buffets of the world to predict what's going to be the best, what's going to be the worst asset class year to year, then we would all be millionaires. Uh, the reality is, is there's no crystal ball. What typically becomes in favor uh, a few years later tends to fall out of favor, and that's just the way the markets work. That's the way sectors work. That's the way asset classes work. So instead of falling into the trap of always chasing last year's winners, uh, you know, Buffett has that good quote. He says, buy low, sell high. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, if we can own multiple sectors, multiple asset classes, then what it does, it just allows us to be a lot more diversified and have a lot smoother of a ride.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, speaking of a smooth ride, this ride is just about over. <laughs> um, I want to come back and talk to you more about um, kind of getting back to the basics or uh, we're calling it next steps. I want to talk to you about some more next steps on the next podcast. I'd like to dive a little bit into talking about some 401ks, IRAs, uh, index funds and ETFs, things like that, that we can touch on and, and uh, share your thoughts with the audience. Uh, any closing thoughts for today's podcast So before we sign off? For me, one of the biggest mistakes that I see is when we actually doing a plan and, and finding out what's important to people and putting timelines on what they want to accomplish there's a lot, pe- a lot of people take more risk than they have to mm-hmm. uh, for the expected return that they need to never run out of money. And I think that, you know, uh, do, you know, if you could do everything possible to avoid or reduce as much volatility as possible, your success in the long run will take care of itself. Yeah, and I think you'll sleep better at night too. No doubt about it. Yeah, you know, and I can, and, and let me add real quick. I, th- I think there's the just the setting the right expectations. I mean, if 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 we are going to invest into the stock market, or we're going to invest into the bond market, or uh, invest in mutual funds and index funds, or the various type of investments that that we do have access to, I think it's a, a big or it's, it's very important to just understand what volatility means, what fluctuations mean, uh, what's normal, what's not. Because most of the mistakes mm-hmm. that people make is they let their emotions and they let fear and greed drive their decisions. So the more mm-hmm. they can set the right expectations within their own investment philosophy and their own investment plan, uh, they tend to not make those knee-jerk reactions. And unfortunately, most often it's at the wrong time. Uh, so it just leads to better expectations. The um, uh, the better, the more disciplined you are, the better decisions you make for you and your family. Yeah, and I mean, you're preaching to the choir, guys. You're 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 speaking to a guy who leased a minivan for crying out loud. It was just a terrible decision, and it was all about the excitement and the emotion of you know it's oh look at this new minivan for our family, blah blah blah. It has three TVs. Yeah, whatever. I never got to watch him. I was driving, so I get it. I I, I understand that. And what I should have had is someone that was neutral, right? Go with me and, you know, know what my budget would be, know what I was looking for to help me make that decision, to try to calm me down a little bit when those emotions got stirred up. And I know that's exactly what you do for your clients. Um, So if a listener is saying, hey, you know what, I'd I'd like to learn more about what they're talking about, but also I'd love to have somebody just walk beside me in this so I can kind of get my emotions out of the game. How do they get a hold of you and who's the best person to talk to? Uh, So they can call us at the office, 903-533-8585. They can ask for Jeff or Jose. Um, Or they can find us on our website, www.felicianofinancial.com. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Live Life on Purpose podcast with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Feliciano Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live life on purpose. Thank you for listening to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Feliciano Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.